Uh, thank you for those being here. Uh, for those watching online, if this is your first time with Keystone, um, like Pastor Josh said, my name is Jeff Witt. I am the student pastor and I am honored to be here. So thank you, Pastor Josh, for the opportunity to preach. Um, and I want to say thank you to you as a church family um, for last week. Um, I was extremely surprised. I had no idea. Uh, in fact, I didn't really understand who all was involved, uh, you know, who had chipped in, who had done different things to put everything together to say happy birthday to me. So thank you so much, uh, Keystone parents, Keystone students. I, I just can't say thank you enough. Thank you very much. I was uh, humbled and I definitely appreciate it. Uh, if you got your Bibles, turn to James chapter 5. We are in week 16, I think week 16. So I've heard a few comments here and there about how long we've been in James. You guys have been in there for four months, but the students, we started James back in October of last year. And other than taking Christmas off, we did not finish James until the week before Memorial Day. So from October to May is how long we were in James. James is a great book. You see, Paul teaches us beforehand about what we believe. James tells us how we should behave. Paul teaches us about our precepts of our faith. James teaches us how to practice our faith. And James is a great book, and he doesn't pull any punches. It's difficult to outline because he goes from topic to topic to topic. But that's why I love James, because, you know, if you have trouble focusing, he helps me stay focused because he goes from topic to topic, and he doesn't just, you know, drift off. He just keeps you on your toes. And so uh, James also has 54 imperatives in his small book, six chapters. Uh, excuse me, five chapters. Uh, 54 imperatives? That's 54 commands. So as James penned this under the power of the Holy Spirit, these are all commands from Almighty God on how we as Christians are to live our life as a believer in Christ. So if you got your Bibles, you got your app, we're going to read verses 7 through 12. All right, you guys ready? Here we go. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it, until it gets the early and late rains. You too be patient, strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. Do not complain, brethren, against one another, so that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. As an example, brethren, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings and that the Lord is full of compassion and merciful. But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or earth with, or with any other oath, but your yes is to be yes, your no, no, so that you may not fall under judgment. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for today. Father, we thank you, Lord, for uh, our church family, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for how you have taken care of us, Lord, and how we are able, Lord, to celebrate this weekend, Lord, uh, celebrate our, our independence of our country, Lord. Father, we do pray, Lord, for our country as, Lord, you know that our country needs to turn back to you. But, Father, we are so grateful that we can come together and worship freely and having that freedom. 
Father, we pray, Lord, this morning, Lord, I pray that you would just remove my my faults, my inadequacies, Lord, my my inability. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you will be glorified, you will be honored, and Father, that you would just speak through me, that you would give us exactly, Lord, what you want us to have, and that, Father, you would open our hearts, Lord, so that uh, for the preaching and teaching of your word, Lord, that we can apply it to our lives, Lord, and that we can actually leave here, Lord, changed and be different than the way we came. Father, we thank you for all that you do. In Christ's name, amen. So for those of you, have you ever seen an oyster? You know, if you open up an oyster, sometimes you might find something valuable. You guys know what I'm talking about? A pearl. But how does it do that? How does that happen? It just doesn't happen by chance. An oyster gets a grain of sand in it and it's irritant. It tries to expel it. It tries to spit it out. And then there are the, and normally it works. Normally it's able to expel it. Normally it's able to get rid of it and move on. But there are those rare occasions to where it gets a grain of sand and it's not able to expel it. It's not able to, to get rid of it. And it be, it's an irritant and it becomes frustrated. It becomes agitated and it continues to work and work and try to expel it. And then when it realizes that it cannot expel it or get rid of it, it just accepts it. And when it accepts it, it begins to coat it. And it coats the grain of sand over and over and over again until we have something that we find valuable, that we pay top dollar for, and that is a pearl. It's a rare thing. And so when you see a pearl, it's, 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 a, it's a great thing. It's cool how it all formed and how it all happened. But you know what? I know some of you are thinking, Jeff, what in the world does that have to do with us? Well, I am so glad you asked. That's a great question because some of you are going through some tough circumstances and God is saying, I want to make a pearl out of you. I want to make a pearl out of your circumstances. You see, in, Paul, uh, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, Paul writes, For you and I are God's workmanship. What does that mean? And the Greek word there is poeme. It means poem. It's where if you take a writer and someone writes something and it becomes a masterpiece, it becomes something valuable, it becomes something worthy. That's what God wants to do with your circumstance. That's what God wants to do with your life. And a lot of us, we think, wait a minute, God wants to make me valuable? God wants to do something important with me? God wants to make me a masterpiece? Oh yeah, I'm all about that. So then we think about some of the patriarchs in the Bible. We think about Joseph, right? We think Joseph, and uh, you know, he was second in command up under Pharaoh. He had risen up in Pharaoh had placed him in charge of everything in the land, and we think that's a great thing. But then we wonder, we don't want to really talk about all the grains of sand that Joseph had to endure and go through. Think about it. He was sold into slavery. He was hated by his family. He was lied upon by Potiphar's wife. He was thrown into prison. Then, even though he helped those in prison, he was forgotten about. I wonder how many nights... Joseph laid there crying, begging God, God, why? Why am I having to endure this? Why am I having to 
do this this irritant frustrating upsetting grain of sand lord why am i having to go through things like this until one day god said okay now you're ready but think about moses the great leader liberator right as he liberated the people out of egypt and we think oh man moses was a great man what a great leader i would love to be like moses but yet we don't want to think about the 40 years that he spent tending sheep in Midian 40 years as a shepherd until the day came to where God said okay now you're ready God wants to do the same thing with us and he's James is explaining to us here and I even think about myself and my own testimony now I am not comparing me with Moses or Joseph no 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 please don't think that but just from me I mean especially last week after hitting the big 5-0, as everyone was telling me, how old I am. Shame on you, yes, I know. I have never seen two guys more happy for me to hit the joy group than Reed and Dave Dugan. Reed Churchill and Dave, I think Dave hadn't been to church in months, but he came just to make sure that I knew, that he knew that now I'm part of the joy group. But I get the privilege of not only being part of the older group, but I get to work with our students. And hang out with them and still be a big kid because that's just me and my personality and I'm cool with that but I didn't follow the model of graduating school graduating college going straight into the ministry you know my family wasn't able to keep me I went to Piedmont Bible College for a year and a half and they couldn't afford to keep me in school and so I ended up coming home going back to work ended up getting married having kids and I really felt for a period of time that God had taken me and placed me and put me on a shelf unable to be used and then I, I began working with youth and I've worked with students for quite a few years just a few years and, and I just continued being a layperson and being in ministry and then was able to go back to school graduate from Southeastern uh, get a degree in divinity and then God has me here and I love it and I, I couldn't be happier it has everything worked out the way I originally thought it years ago no but I know I'm exactly where God wants me to be now I really do not know who wrote the book and said that a youth pastor has to be someone who just graduated college and or just got married and that they're the only ones who can relate and work with these students now I'm sorry I'm with someone who has a little more life experience but I still get to work with students and I love it and God has blessed me for it so I'm wondering what kind of grains of sand have you had to endure what kind of grains of sand are you enduring right now so let's see exactly what God's Word says in J uh, James chapter 5 verse 7 it says therefore be what be patient you know that's something we don't really talk about we don't like to talk about patience we don't like to ask about it but this is a command from Almighty God that he is saying therefore be patient it means that we should wait now I'm kind of wondering this patient it is so un-american we are not a patient society we are not patient people we have not taught our kids patience or what it means or what patience means I taught my kids earlier on what patience means I taught them that it means wait and there were times to where I would use that when Mandy and I were having a discussion and I was instead of me having to be the one to say wait I would say kids what does patience mean tell mommy what patience means and they say mommy patient means wait 
In fact, this past week when Mandy was asking what the sermon was about and I was telling her patience, before I could go into any, any other details, her first response was, do not use that as an example. <laughs> All right, But I did get permission, so I wouldn't do that. But, yes I did. <laughs> Be patient. But it's, it's not something that we're used to. Why? Because we hate the wait. How many of you still have dial-up internet? <laughs> yeah, we laugh when we hear that sound you know, of dial-up internet because, are you kidding? In fact, we have fast speed internet now and we still get frustrated when something doesn't instantaneous, inst instantly open, <laughs> right? If it doesn't download right away. We get frustrated, we wonder what in the world's going on. We need to call ATT, we need to call Spectrum. They need to fix this now. We don't even like to pull up through a drive-through and if the line is around the building, oh no, 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 that's too long of a line. Let's go, we'll go to the next restaurant down the road. We hate to wait. If you're stuck in traffic, are you not the one who tries to maneuver and figure out which lane is fastest so you can move over? And then when you do move over and the other lane starts moving, you're like, ah, let me move back. Are you the one that, because I know I am, when you get to the checkout, you're looking for the fastest lane, right? You're trying to figure out which one's uh, fastest and which one's slowest so you make sure you don't get in that lane. Why? Because we hate to wait. We are so impatient. And when we hear about that, we think, what, really? God wants me to be patient? You know why? Because God doesn't want to microwave you. He wants to slow cook you. That's what he wants to do. Now, if you can make a meal in the microwave, and it's okay, but there's nothing in comparison to a homemade meal that was cooked, that took time to prepare and make. There is no comparison. Do you not realize that there is nothing sadder than someone who has reached success too early, too soon, and they were crushed underneath the weight of their own success? Now, there are many stories that I can tell you of friends who graduate, who, who followed the rule, who followed the model of graduating college, going straight into ministry. Uh, and typically that is the, the path, you know, youth or, or children and then assistant and then lead pastor. And that's great. I get it. I understand it. And there are many success stories, but you know what? There are also a lot of unsuccessful stories of those who graduated college, who got into ministry, and they hadn't taken time to build the character and integrity needed. They hadn't been through those times, those tough times in life to learn and grow and mature, and they failed underneath their own success. And there's nothing sadder than that. So when we hear the word patience, we kind of like, oh, no, we really don't want to talk about it. But understand it. God has it there for a reason. It is to teach us. It is to grow us. It is to make us more like Christ. James says, be patient. The Greek word here used is called makrothumos. That macro is... When you interpret it, it means either large or, or long. Thumos is, is, has the idea of, of heat or anger, leading to anger. So James has told us earlier on in his book, be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Here he is saying, slow, that macro Thumos, you should be slow to anger, which means to have the kind of patience that James is talking about to develop, to understand, to, to be, 
to be that type of patient person, that means you're probably going to be in circumstances that you don't actually like. You're going to be tempted to either hurry up or tempted to get angry because of the circumstances. And remember I was saying that James didn't pull any punches. He jumps from topic to topic. You think about last week. Last week he was talking about the rich, the oppressors, those who were trying to be in a hurry to gain wealth for themselves to where they oppressed others and did not pay them what they were owed or what they were due. And so then he turns the table and turns and looks at, remember who he's talking to. He's talking to his Jewish audience. audience. And these Jewish readers are the ones who were dispersed, as he said at the beginning of the, cha- uh, beginning of the book. They were dispersed because they had been persecuted, because they had been oppressed. So he turns to them and says, look, I know you're going through tough times. I know you're going through struggles, but be patient. It's okay. Just, just wait. So what exactly does patience mean? Does it mean we should just sit back, pull up a chair, and say, Okay, God, here you go. Lord, do your part. Is that what it means? To patient, to be patient? To just sit back and wait? Let's see what James says. James gives us, he not only gives us command of the, um, of, to be patient, he then gives us a picture of patience. Let's look in uh, verse 7. It says, Therefore, be patient, brethren. Until the coming of the Lord, the farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it, until it gets early and late rains. You too be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. He gives us a picture of the farmer. The farmer does not just walk out to his fields and say, Okay, God, here's a, here it is. Go, go ahead, God, do your thing. No, what does the farmer do? A farmer works from sun up to sundown. How many of you ever worked on a farm before? It was one summer, one day I worked in a tobacco field and I said, I'll never do that again. It was nasty, it was horrible, and I said, no thank you Jesus, nope, that is not for me. Our farmer knows how to work and will put us to shame. They do everything that they can. They will work the land, till the land, plant the seeds, pull the weeds, and then they patiently wait for God to do His part and trust God to do His part in bringing the rain. That's the picture that James gives us. A picture of a farmer, and he's telling us that you need to do your part. Now Carson, who has has EDS, which is hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, and as you guys know, last year, because of procedure and because of trauma, she developed CRPS. The EDS is actually an uncurable disease, something that we've learned. The symbol for that is a zebra. It, um, it's, it's because it's an unseen disease. And the CRPS is called Complex Regional Pain Syndrome. It's because as it flares up, and it flared up in her feet and moved up to her legs to where she literally was unable to walk. And because of the intense pain that this causes from the nerves, it's called the suicide disease. There are those who have this and because they cannot get relief from the pain, they literally take their own life. And so as she has been enduring this, and as you guys know, last year we did the Dazzle Dash. Because zebra, if you have a group of zebras, it's not called a herd, it's called a dazzle. And so we had the Dazzle Dash. And as Mandy and Carson were there, uh, one of the visits in front of the doctor, 
she had the faith to where the doctor was explaining the treatment that she would need, which, go figure, she would have to go to Italy to get the treatment because it was not uh, FDA approved here. And we live in the city of medicine, but yet we still had to go there for treatment, really? But promise me, we did everything we could. The whole time we were praying, begging God to heal her, knowing that God could heal her at any moment to where we wouldn't have to do this, go through this, endure this or anything. But while we were in this situation, not only were we trusting that he could do that, we also did everything that we could. And so within, as she looked at the doctor and he was explaining how this is going to be next to impossible to do, and her response to him was, you don't know my God. And Mandy, for five weeks, did not sleep, take a break or anything. And within five weeks, she put together a 5K. And many of you gave time, gave sacrificially, prayed, did so much for us. And we cannot thank you enough. And God showed up in miraculous ways. And I got story after story. But I can tell you, the whole time, our circumstance did not change. So what did we do? We continued to work at it. We continued to trust God, but we continued to work at it. But I can tell you what did change. Me. Why? Jeff, your, your daughter wasn't healed. Your daughter was, was in a wheelchair. What, what do you mean, what changed? Because of my prayer time? Because of begging God, asking Him why, but at the same time trusting Him? I changed. I can tell you Carson changed. Carson grew strong spiritually i mean she didn't just grow up she is an adult now spiritually she has grown strong with the lord and her faith challenges me and should challenge you as well james says look at the farmer work but still trust in what god is doing and then he goes on in verse 9 read it with me it says, do not complain, brethren, against one another, so that you yourselves may not judge, may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. So James responds by saying, look, you must be patient. Here's a picture of patience. And you know what? Don't complain. Don't grumble. Don't murmur. You see, he's talking to his Jewish, Jewish, Jewish audience and their mind initially goes right back to the Israelites in the wilderness. See, as Moses led them out of, the prom, out of Egypt and, and headed to the promised land, it should have been a six-week journey. It took 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Why? Because the whole time they were whining and complaining and grumbling and murmuring. And James said, look, I know your situation is tough. I know you're in difficult circumstances, but stop whining. Don't complain about it. Trust God because He is actually at work behind the scenes. You just don't know it or understand it. Don't complain. Now, many of you have really struggled during this pandemic. And uh, some of you greatly. Why? Because there are no live sports to watch. And you struggle. <coughs> um, in fact, some of you have even begun, begun or have been watching some of the old games that ESPN has been watching. Anybody been doing that? So one night, Mandy was watching, I think it was when they were showing a lot of Duke Carolina games. And I walked into the bedroom, 
And I remember the game because we look back and we think about some of those big games and we think about the highlights. And as she was watching the game, I said, why are you watching this game? She's like, well, it's Duke Carolina. I was like, Carolina wins that game. I don't want to watch that game. You tell me when they play the next game and where Duke's going to win. Hey, I'll watch that one. And that's what we did. We, depending on who your team is or which sport it is, whether it's basketball, baseball, you've struggled through this, but yet you found joy in looking at old highlights and old games. James is saying, hey, look, don't complain about it. Think back to what he told us in um, chapter 2. Let me just flip over. Oh, here it is. James has already told us in chapter 1, excuse me, chapter 1, 2, verse 4. And then he, he didn't say, uh, if you face trials or tribulations. He said what? He said, when. He said, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. That endurance is steadfastness, steadfastness or, or patience. And let that patience have its perfect result so that you may be made perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. We as Christians should also be able to look back at our life, and even though we're in difficult uh, uh, circumstances, we're in tribulations and trials and tough times, we should be able to look back at our life and see the highlights of how God has moved and find joy in what He has done with us before, knowing that even though we don't understand why we're going through what we're going through, we can have find joy in what he did, knowing that he's still going to get us through this time. Some of us had asked, well, Jeff, okay, I understand this patience, but how long? Well, in verse 7, it says what? Be patient, brethren, until. Until what? Look back in verse 7. It says, until what? Until the coming of the Lord. That until means there's an end. Does it mean it's going to end when you want it to end? Probably not. Does it mean it's going, to, it's going to end how you think it should? I doubt it. Does it mean it's going to end? Yes, it does. And then he adds until the coming of the Lord, which means it might not end until then. It could end before then, but it might not end until then, which means we have to understand and know how to practice patience and be patient people until God comes back. Because there's only two places that patience, you don't have to worry about it. And that's either heaven or hell. In hell, all of us will stand one day before the judgment seat of Christ and we have to give an account to God for our lives. And if you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, if you've trusted Him and you believe that He died on the cross, was buried and then rose again and you've placed your faith and you've accepted His free gift of salvation, when you're in heaven, there is no adversity, so you don't have to practice patience. If you haven't done that and you, have, and you go to hell, there are no exit signs in hell. You don't have to worry about patience. Between heaven and hell, everything in between, between now and then, guess what? You've got to practice patience. You've got to learn to be patient people. So he not only gives us a picture of patience, he not only tells us to not complain, and then he gives us a poster of patience poster of patience. Let's read and let's see what he does, what he has. Verse 10, it says, as an example, brethren, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion 
and is merciful. Now, Tyler and Amanda, for one of the Father's Day slash birthday presents, they gave me a couple of things, and one of them was a poster. It was a canvas poster of Captain America. It's a cool poster. I mean, it's detailed. Uh, we have it hanging in the bonus room, and I was sitting there one night a couple nights later. I snapped a, a shot of it, and I sent it to Tyler and Amanda, Mandy, and Carson, and everyone. I said, hey, look at what I'm looking at tonight. And I said, it's just like looking in a mirror, right? You guys thought the same thing, right? As I'm looking at Captain America, some of you are thinking, really? I was like, look, has there been any bigger movies in the last decade than superhero movies? I mean, I remember as a kid pretending and playing with my brothers and with friends and stuff, you know, to be a superhero that has these kind of powers or what have you. I mean, we think of that. I've got a poster of it now on my wall, and that's a cool thing. You know what James does? James says, hey, look, if you need a reminder, let's look at some posters. Now, some of you with sports, maybe you've got posters of Michael Jordan. Maybe you've got posters of LeBron or Kobe. And what you have done is you've been in the backyard pretending to be Mike, to be like Mike, right? Or like Jeff, you know, that kind of thing. James says, hey, look, if you need something else to understand what patience means, look at the prophets. I mean, think about the things that the prophets had to suffer and endure. Prophets like Ezekiel, Hosea, Jeremiah. And then he finishes it by saying, by giving us example of the goat, right, of Job, the greatest of all time. I mean, we even have a saying about, oh, yes, he or she has the patience of Job. Why? Because you think about the grains of sand that Job had to endure. He lost 10 kids, all of his kids, at once. He didn't have to go to the graveside to bury one child. He had to go and bury all of his children at once. He lost his wealth. He lost his finances. And he had his wife in his ear saying, curse God and die. But yet in Job chapter 2, verse 10, he says, what, shall we only take good from the Lord and not evil? Shall we only take the good and not the bad? And then as he lost his health also and had boils and as they covered his body, and as he was scraping the boils off trying to find relief and was covered in ashes, in Job 19.25, he says what? I know my Redeemer lives. Do you have that kind of patience? Do you have that kind of confidence? Because we have church family who are going through tough times. My daughter who was healed last year is going through the CRPS again. She's at home and I've been having to carry her this past week because of the nerve block. And when she has those nerve blocks, it lasts for multiple days. And it's like deja vu and she's needing help to go to the restroom. We have Christian saints in our church who are battling illness and cancer. We have people who are going through tough times and we are looking and wondering, God, why? Why are we having to do this? God, why can't you just fix it? God, why don't you just heal them? And we're wondering why. When Mandy was pregnant with Tyler, she made a cross stitch. Anybody ever made a cross stitch before? No one? So a few of you? If any guys raise your hand, then you need to turn in your man card, all right? So a cross stitch, for those of you who don't know, is just a piece of fabric and you sew thread in and out. You create a picture, a design, or some sort. Well, she just determined that she was going to make a cross stitch uh, to hang in the nursery. We still have it. It's a good size. Of course, we don't have a nursery anymore, but we still have 
this. It's, 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 uh, it's uh, in storage. It's safe. It's protected because it was something valuable to us. And I remember when she was working on it, and she was working on the couch, and she had it lifted up, and I could see underneath. And underneath, if you ever looked underneath the cross stitch, it doesn't make any sense. It's just jumbled thread. There is no pattern. There is no design. It makes no sense. And I had to walk over and sit down beside her on the couch and look over. And when I could look from the top down, it made sense. I could see a beautiful picture. I could see the design and see how it all fit together, even though it looked crazy underneath. You know what? From this side of heaven, as we look up, wondering, God, why? It doesn't make any sense. God, it's all chaos. It's all a jumbled mess. Lord, I don't understand. And no, we won't. That's why James says, be patient, because one day we will stand with God, and God will say, hey, hey, sit right here beside me and look down. And as we look from the top down, it will all make sense we will see that God was working throughout, creating a beautiful picture, a beautiful masterpiece of our lives and our circumstances. No matter what we are going through, it will finally make sense. We are wondering, God, do you know? God, do you understand? God, do you care? And then we will know. He cares. He knows. He is in the middle of it with you, holding your hand, carrying you if need be. He knows. In Romans 8.18 it says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. So until then, James says, be patient. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the Gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystonerdu.church. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media ministry and outreach ministry of Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and all around the world. Visit keystonerdu.church to get involved.